Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on, guys? We got a special guest. We have Arjan Erkel. He has an incredible story, and I can't wait to share it with you you all. Arjan, how are you doing today? Hey, Jordan. I'm I'm very fine. Thanks for being in your podcast. I'm great. Doing fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited to have you here. And where where are you right now? I'm in Rotterdam in the Netherlands, in Europe. So uh, I'm glad glad you, you you found me. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy, but the world's big, but it makes it small with the virtual, which is a lot of fun. So where does your story start? Where, where'd you grow up? And then we'll dive into everything that's yeah. occurred. Okay, I, I'm from Rotterdam, and that's the second biggest city in the Netherlands. It's a big port, so I was raised in a nice, warm family. I have uh, one sister, two brothers. My, my parents are very warm people. Then I, I had a nice childhood life. Uh, I studied anthropology, and then I started working with Doctors Without Borders. It's a humanitarian aid organization, and I, yeah, I could do my job as an anthropologist. I traveled to Sierra Leone, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, countries I never and, heard about. And how's that? How's Doctors Without Borders work? Just so the audience knows. Yeah, so so in, in a country which is, for example, when there's a civil war or a tsunami or a big earthquake and, and the government doesn't have enough resources itself or it doesn't want to help the rebels, for example, then neutral humanitarian organizations uh, jump in and they, they start assisting both sides. So and the government side and the rebel side with all kind of medical programs. It can be like uh, general pr- practitioners, but it can also be uh, building up hospitals so that the, the basic care and, and yeah, even hospital care is taken care of. Okay. And is it yeah. is this a dangerous job? Is it is it like dangerous to go to, da- to doctors without borders or is it usually fine? No. So, so I, I did it as a student uh, and then later I, I thought, yeah, I want to make it my profession. Is that your question? Okay. Sort of- yeah. Awesome. And yeah, a friend of mine worked there, and during my studies, he said, "What are you doing uh, for a final thesis?" I said, "Yeah, I have no idea yet." He said, "Why, why, why don't you uh, try to do it with Doctors Without Borders?" So I went to Uganda and, and lived in a refugee camp for six months, really in an African small hut made out of grass and clay. And I had the time of my life. I could walk around these uh, refugee camps and see how people are. Yeah, building up their lives again. So the resilience and, and, and also the 
yeah, what year was that? And that must have been a brilliant perspective on yeah, taking, was, not taking things for granted. Yo, that was really cool. It was 94. I was 24, so I was still young. It was first time in, in Sub-Saharan Africa. So I was really curious, and I met the people, and I, I really enjoyed it because I, I saw daily life, their daily life, but also life in, in clinics, life in hospitals. And I could even assist while I'm not having a medical background. So I had a time of my life, and then I thought, Okay, if I want to work, it should be something I really like. And as an anthropologist, I, I like other cultures. I like to travel. I like history. So that all fit together. And then uh, after my studies, I started working as a logistician in uh, Tajikistan. Have you ever heard about it? No, I don't know where that from? is. And I traveled a good amount. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, it's a it's a small former Soviet republic, uh, just north of Afghanistan. And it, okay. was very, it was very poor. There was a big civil war. And then at the end of the civil war, I, yeah, I started to work there. I, I studied Russian. Uh, I had also a very good time. And then, yeah, uh, at the end, I became director, country manager in, in Russia. Oh, incredible. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I don't know if you know the conflict in, in Russia. There's a Chechen Muslim rebels in, in the 90s uh, when there was a big turn up like the Soviet Union disintegrated and then some republics of the Russian Federation also wanted to have their independence and they started fighting a big civil war with, with like 10% of the population died 30% oh was, wow yeah it was really big and, and what year is this that started in 94 and then there was a peace agreement, but then in the year 2000, it started all over again, and it was really bombed. Grozny, the capital of Chechnya, was bombed completely. Out of one million people, 100,000 people died, so that's really a high oh amount. Yeah, and 300,000 people were uh, refugees. And, and I came to, to help the refugees to, yeah, to give them medical aid, but sometimes even uh, clothing, water, housing. The so, essentials, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all the essentials. And... and of course, it's dangerous eh, when you're work, work, working in a yeah, in a war-torn country. And next to the danger of being, yeah, suddenly part of maybe a bombing or 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 a yeah a rebel attack, there were also uh, it was also prone to kidnapping. And oh, really? that's where that's where yeah the story uh, starts because <laughs> yeah I was kidnapped for twenty months by by Muslim rebels for uh, for ransom. So how, for, first of all, how did that start? <laughs> are, yeah. are you just working one day and they just take you away? Like what, yeah, what's going yeah. through your mind? And no, one of the reasons to go there was my, my career. I, I, they say, if you work in that area, then I could get all the nice jobs in the UN. Because or, it, yeah. Because, because of the dangers? No, because it's such a dif difficult area. And if you stand, stand, yeah, if you you're able to stand up there for yourself, but also for your team, then then you're really a good, yeah, like a director or anything, and and for love. One of my 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 uh, fiance came from that region. She moved back to her parents, and one day I visited her, uh, like I yeah, every now and then I visit, of course, her, <laughs> and then then on the yeah, so we had the rule to to be home before dark. We had like a curfew, so that it would be. Yeah, safer. So around nine o'clock in the evening, I, I walked to the car, the driver and I, we, we, we drove off. And then suddenly our car was blocked by another car. And 
yeah, it already feels like okay, what's going to happen? Uh, you're full of tense, ten, uh, yeah, fear, and then suddenly three guys with guns in their head hands walk towards my car and like they're going to shoot us. So I thought, okay, they're coming to take me. Uh, I will hand myself over. I, I put my hands up in the air. I walk towards them, ready to be taken. But then someone yeah, beat me up from from the back on, on the backside of my head. And I, yeah, and then they beat me up for really, I think, two minutes. I, I, I also almost felt they were killing me. That was really horrible. I this feeling that I, I couldn't fight back. Uh, I, I did some uh, taekwondo. I, I boxed quite nice. But, but yeah, I was over, overpowered, overwhelmed. Um, I started to bleed. I broke my finger. I was really feeling the sand on the floor where I was laying. And I, and I thought, okay, maybe yeah, they will kill me. And at this moment, what are you thinking? And then did the driver, was he, did he do anything? No, the driver didn't do anything. Like after those two minutes, they, they took me into their car. I had to sit on the back seat between two guys. And they put guns to my, my, my yeah, the side of my head and the side of my heart. And then oh one, of the guys, one of the guys stepped out. And then I thought, okay, now they're going to shoot the driver. And, and, and there was some silence. And I, yeah, I was waiting for the... Yeah, this boom or how you call it, this, this noise. But luckily, they said later we just beat him up. So yeah, I was all on my own sitting. In and the do cars. you know why? Do you know why you were taking out him? Yeah, because later they told me I was the director of the team. And oh, they so, I, yeah. Oh, they so targeted I, you. Yeah, they they followed us already the whole team for a month, and then they oh, figured wow. out. Yeah, we didn't notice that it was our mistake, and then they said, okay. Uh, maybe a director uh, is, is having more value than a normal driver, and and yeah, so it, yeah, I was the lucky one, <laughs> yeah, not the lucky one, but oh yeah. my god, and it was so scary to be in a car with a gun on your head with all kind of potholes, and and then the gun yeah touches your your forehead, and it was yeah, I, I was almost about to cry to start begging, but but I had a little bit of training. So while being very, very scared, I was thinking, what, what shall I say? What shall I do? Uh, now, don't cry because they might think you're a sissy. It's a very macho culture. Um, yeah, don't start to beg because they're real men, they, they don't beg. And so these kind of things. In regards to Russian culture. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I said, please. I didn't say please. I said, I want to live. Yeah, in, in Russian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to live. And yeah, like a statement, because of course everything in my 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 body wanted to survive. Absolutely. And I had to be sharp. I've never been so sharp in my life for, for 20 months. Because yeah. you're always on point because there's no relaxing. There's almost never relaxing and, and uh, like if you make a mistake it can be uh yeah, lethal of course absolutely so you're in the yeah. car where do they take you first yeah so we drove for an hour and then they we ended up just somewhere on a hill because they said yeah we didn't want to kidnap you today we don't have a house um yeah we just have to move on from here it was a nice moment to take you because you were out of out of town so the first night we they just tied me up they put some guns to my knees and they said, if you're going to run away, we'll kill you. Uh, we killed so many people. And then I was like a, like a yeah, lame duck. I was just sitting there and, 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 and I, I was told by my trainers, 
don't don't be a hero don't make any discussions they are full of energy full of adrenaline uh, it's mo- most probably their first time so so try to de-escalate so i was yeah i don't like authorities too much but yeah here i just gave in and and i also realized that you can't win from guys with guns so um so so I tried to relax. Uh, I wanted to know if it's a kidnapping or maybe a warning. So then we started to discuss about ransom. It's really interesting uh, because I wanted to go home as quick as possible. Then I Absolutely. Asked them, I wanted to have clarity. What's going on? So I asked them, how much ransom are you going to ask? You know what they said? $12 million. <laughs> I, I was like, wow, why, why? They said, yeah, because we heard someone else from Doctors Without Borders was kidnapped the year before and they paid 12 million so the rumor was out i said yeah i heard he came he was released for free by one of the rebel leaders they said no 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 <laughs> and i felt stupid but i really heard it and they said no no one else no one ever goes out for free i said yeah but 12 million that's way too much they said yeah how much you think it's a it's a it's the right amount yeah then of course you're thinking i was thinking okay what do I say? If ten thousand, hundred thousand, one million, two million, could, and then I said one million. I felt, yeah, that should be a nice amount for everyone. And then they they lowered it till five. They said, okay, we're going to ask for five. So, yeah, but then I, it's still a huge amount. Uh, my parents didn't have it. I didn't have it. Uh, and I didn't know. At, at this point, are they? Is this like the first night, or this is like first, my first hour, first two hours? So everything, the first moments were really important because you can only get one impression of them and they can only get one impression of me. So, yeah, uh, it, it was, yeah, I, I lost everything. People, freedom is a, is a very important word, but you, most of the time you only notice when you don't have it. And suddenly I didn't have a voice. I didn't have a luxury. I didn't have security. I, I was wondering about my own mental strength about my physical strength maybe they're going to yeah, cut off my ears cut off my fingers so all this this worries were there worries about my parents are they going to yeah maybe they will get a heart attack when they hear that i'm kidnapped uh, will i ever see them will i be how you call it decaptivated or what, what's the word yeah 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 yeah, Decap- yeah. where you don't have a head anymore yeah, yeah. I mean, all of these are very true things and there's so many people dealing with this today. I mean, we can dive into that later, but this is such a relevant issue because you were going through it all by yourself. And now societies, because of COVID, freedoms are getting taken left and right. Yep. And people feel like they're being attacked. Meanwhile, you actually went from, you lost your basic essentials of food, shelter, clothing, because they took yeah, it all. Correct. So- Yeah, no, go ahead. During this process, like as this was happening, did you, did they alert the authorities right away? So did people know you were taken or did people not <laughs> know? For a- no, of course, I, I didn't know about it, but but yeah, the, the driver informed uh, the office and then, then of course, the, the, the authorities knew, but yeah, it's a big, big, big country, uh, lots of mountains. So yeah, we stayed there for a week. Sometimes there were helicopters, so I, I was hoping that they would search for me. But yeah, they, of course, we were under the trees. And then a week later, they said, yeah, we have to hand you over to another group. They will have a house. They will look after you. 
Uh, maybe it will take two months. Maybe it will take a year. Um, and I, I realize if I be if I behave, they most of the time will also behave. Um, and so I, I I learned that I have influence also on their behavior. So I had to look from from my own perspective. What can I change in myself? What should I do? So it was really a big learning yeah, exercise of how to make contact with other people. Those other guys, they were really rebel rebels, like masks, beards, like the ISIS guys you see with, with, yeah. the, with the Kalashnikovs, the, the uniforms. They had a duck out place under the ground in the mountain. And, and I got a room for myself. Not a room. I call it a room. I, I, I learned to What's call it a room. What's a room look like? Yeah. A room looked like like seven feet by, by five feet and then only 6.3 high. And I'm 6.3 high. So I was always with my head against the ceiling. And then it was made of all kind of yeah tree trunks or how you call those things. Um, and and yeah. it was dark, only one candle. There were lots of insects. There were mice. There were snails. There were it was, and frogs. it was in the ground, right? Yeah, under the ground. So it felt like a grave, really. Yeah, and, and it was. It wasn't anything like oh, a house in a room, and it's just a small room. It's like in the ground. Yeah, in the ground. You you you, you smell the ground. Uh, yeah. You, you, you know when it rains, you you, you smell this. Yeah, the earth and, and yeah, and and you think it's a grave. They just have to close the door. They walk away. I will never get out. And and, and how how long would they go away for? If oh, that was my worry. No, no, no. They stayed there all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they also... But originally going in was the concern that I'm going to stay yeah, here forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, of course, all my worries came, all my tears came out because, yeah, finally I had a place for myself. I, I, I really felt so bad. Like, like, why did I deserve this? What, what have I done wrong to the world? Or maybe God is angry with me? Or is it karma? Um, I came to do good deeds for their citizens and then I'm, I'm punished like that. Um, but also, yeah, they told me if, if 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 the negotiations go wrong, they will they will cut my throat, and then I will yeah I will die. Uh, so the worry of being completely depending on other people and the other people's skills that was also yeah terrifying because yeah if if they ruin it the negotiations I I'm the one to suffer and, and I had to I had to find a sort of calmness in myself or, or acceptation that, okay, I shouldn't worry about things I cannot influence. I should really focus on the things under the ground with those guys, with my own behavior, um, look after myself, stay healthy. Uh, I, I, For example, for eight days, I didn't brush my teeth. I didn't wash myself. I smelled bad, um, but I really wanted to brush my teeth. So I tell them, I was thinking, should I ask for toothbrush and a, and a toothpaste? But then maybe they, they, they beat me up and they say, yeah, you don't need uh, toothpaste anymore. But then I, I realized, yeah, if I don't brush my teeth, they will also fall out. Uh, so I asked them, can I, can I have toothpaste? It was really scary. You have four guys with the Kalashnikov pointing at you and then starting to ask questions. There's some people never there, there to ask questions. And, and they that... said, yeah, what, what brand do you want? Yeah, and I said, yeah, I use uh, I, I use uh, Aqua Fresh at home. I don't know if you know this brand. And actually, they bought it for me. It was really really cool. That was yeah the first th first sign of humanity from their side. So and that moment, I want to just dive in on because it's so powerful. 
that you were scared for your life to ask for toothpaste and the amount of people that take toothpaste for granted and they're yeah. complaining that they can't go to the restaurant. This man couldn't brush his teeth. This man couldn't take a shower and he's scared to ask for toothpaste. Like, just think about how powerful that is because it changes your entire perspective. Yeah. No, it, it, I, I, now I was surprised of myself also. Now, once I betrayed myself also in the beginning, for example, you know, radical Muslims, they don't like Jewish people. They don't like homosexuals. Yeah. And of course, they started to have these discussions like, uh, do you have homosexual people in Holland? And uh, because it's such a free country. And then they asked me, do you have a homosexual friend? And just like a, a friend friend. And I would say, what would you answer, uh, Jordan? Uh, if you're, <laughs> if they hold a gun on you and then, <laughs> yeah. No, I was, yeah, sometimes you want to give the answer that other people want to hear. Yeah, but you also have to stand up for yourself sometimes. But yeah, it's, it's, it's always a difficulty. So I, I betrayed myself and I, I have one friend and, and I betrayed him as well. And I felt so bad. And, and luckily, they, they said, yeah, we want you to, to become a Muslim as well. And I told them, no, I, I, that's way, way too far. I'm not going to give up my identity. I'm not get, giving up my, 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 my own religion, which they actually appreciated. That was also, yeah, sometimes you have to stand up for yourself. And, and of course, it was a dangerous answer. But then I got my freedom back again, my, 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 my inner freedom. And I told them, sorry, I lied about my homosexual friend. Uh, yeah. And and from that moment on, it also became, yeah, became easier to to show my my, my authentic one, my authentic yeah. self. Yeah, and th that that is so powerful because a lot of us are in jobs or in areas of life where we just hide, where we're not yeah. our real selves. And right there is a pivotal moment where you have to realize that if you stand up for what you believe in, like, hey, I have homosexual friends. Hey, I'm not becoming Muslim. That's just not no. happening then they realize that, hey, this is a person too, and everyone needs to be treated with respect as well. So yeah. I think I think that's really powerful stuff for anyone in any situation. You shouldn't change who you are to get someone to like you. It, no. it'll, yeah. Elaborate. No, the basic, you should keep your basic. Of course, you can be flexible. When I interview you, you interview me. Of course, there's no camera, but I can at least uh, yeah, look nice and, and, and think, hey, uh, I respect Jordan because, but, but you don't have to lose yourself. Don't lose yourself. Be flexible when needed, and, and but don't lose the core. Yeah, it's so yeah. important. And as people grow up, I feel like they separate from it a lot, but it's much better to stick with it and be who you really are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in that moment, how far in are we? into the kidnapping and at that time what, what's going through your head like once yeah. you realize that they trusted like they respected you a little bit more yeah so that was on day 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 two oh wow okay yeah. <laughs> because no, I, that's why it was so scary on day one telling uh, or day, day two with a new group that that, that yeah I, I don't want to change so that that helped and then they also started to to to, to tell their rules like if you behave, we behave. We will feed you twice a day. You can brush your teeth uh, twice a day. Once a week, a shower. Yeah, sorry, the toilet is outside. So we will always guide you outside. So they were always standing behind me when I was going to the toilet. Um, they said, yeah, we don't open the, your, your, your room. So you have to stick with yourself. 
um, but but again, we hope we will free you or they will pay ransom and then we will slaughter a sheep and make a barbecue. That's what, what they really said. <laughs> yeah, I thought those guys, they were mad, of course, because you don't trust them and you don't believe them. And also one important thing I, I forgot to mention, they asked me, how, how was it to be kidnapped? And, and to me, when I was in the car, uh, it felt like Pulp Fiction, where John Travolta by accident shoot the guy, and all the brains go through the car. Yeah. yeah, because I had this gun against my head, and I was, I was hoping those guys saw that movie as well. Uh, yeah, and then I told this the main kidnapper or the main guard from the, the radical Muslims, and he said it's my favorite movie. So, we, so we had ten minutes of talking about Pulp Fiction, and and yeah, that I think that that laid our basis for for. Yeah, no appreciation or respect or trust in the beginning or just being human to each other. And and from then on, of course, it was, a, it was still like hell on earth, especially in the beginning. But I realized I have to work up. I have to work myself up. They have to start looking after me. How do I get them to behave better? Uh, and it became a real... Yeah, I never felt so focused, like I said, in my life to, to reach goals, to, to look at myself. What should I change? Because lots of people, they don't want to change themselves. If, if something goes wrong, they will blame the outside. Uh, but you have to look at yourself. Why, why can't I reach my goals? Maybe I, I don't work hard enough. Maybe I'm, I, I'm not focusing. Maybe other people don't help me. But there's so much, even in, now in Corona time, there's so much you can change for the better. Find the happiness in yourself. It's also really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I align with that so closely. I actually just gave a speaking engagement to a corporation about that whole, how do you get happier during coronavirus? Oh, and it's yeah. all with your relationship with yourself. So yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the whole principle of like, there's so many outside factors affecting us. But if we take a moment for ourselves and go, hey, what is best for me? Mm-hmm. And how will I be good? And I'll put the oxygen mask on. And then I can, once I'm good, then I can go help others. Yeah, yeah. And also, I call it like like the oxygen you're you're telling. You need you need nitrogen and oxygen together, of course. But I call it oxygen the the positive things and the nitrogen the, the negative things. And there was so many negativity, but I needed only positivity. So I started even visualization. Now we can do it also. You can think back of all the happiness and the good times from the past and, and you can dream about what are we going to do when, when Corona is, 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 yeah, is beat, is beaten. And, and also, yeah, dreaming about yeah, what I did in my life. It was really, it's time. Sometimes it's, yeah, it sounds strange, but sometimes it's also, you need to, to, to slow down uh, in your life and, and think, okay, what did I do? What did I didn't do? What should I do less? What should I do more? And of course, it sounds easy now, but during that time, even in my my, my uh, kidnapping, I started thinking, okay, I'm here now. I have to make the best out of it. And what am I going to bring back from this kidnapping? Even nowadays from Corona. Oh, even when you're after yeah. kidnapping, you're thinking, what's my story going to be like? Yeah, during the kidnapping already, like oh, well, oh, I, wow. I can improve. That, that's, I, that's really self-aware. Yeah, but not like what I'm going to tell other people. But I can improve my Russian. I can improve my knowledge about the Islam. I can, um, uh, yeah, increase my power from within. Um, I yeah, love so it. Just, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I love it because you find what is the positive in this. Yeah, and you yeah. get, and, and even this is for everyone listening. This is someone who got kidnapped. 
and he's trying to find the positives and he found positives, which is incredible. Arjan, I, I respect you and I appreciate you for doing that. That's incredible. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Now it sounds easy, but for example, when you have a nightmare or when it's Christmas, you don't have friends, you don't have family, like the war, the word warmth. I never had warm water. For example, I don't, didn't have friends, no family, no, no, Facebook, yeah, we didn't we didn't have a computer for me, we didn't have a telephone, just boredom. So nah, it also meant I had lots of things to improve, but I had to to to, to yeah to to earn it. Because yeah, if they didn't like me, why why would they make an extra step for me? So I, I really started to make contact and it was a really interesting process also. Look at yourself. It's always easy to go to your friends and make jokes, but how do you connect with people you don't like? Or how do you connect with people that don't interest you? And that's that's and we need those people also in our teams. They, they exist around us in our companies, in our neighbors. And yeah, then we either we don't put enough attention to it, or, or we don't dare, or we're afraid of ourselves. And and yeah, freedom is also letting go of your, your anger, of your fears. And and I started to box with them because they wanted to show who's the Who's the strongest one? And of course, I, I felt like ah, I'm not going to box with my kidnappers. And they, I saw one guy. I gave nicknames to them to to make them more human. And and one was called Tank. He was really strong. So I you said, call okay. them that to their face, or they or yeah 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 yeah, yeah 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 no first in my head, and then I thought yeah, I also have to start using it towards them because yeah then then, then no respond yeah because uh, you're conditioning them yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just interesting. I, I educated them also, like that they should behave, like say thank you very much, or here you are, because it was always like here, or uh, take your food, or hurry up. But I'm, yeah, I'm also a human being, so I have to stand up for myself. And and so I started to to think, okay, I should box with the general because he's the boss, and if I beat him, I can be the boss. And that's what I told him, so he might be afraid uh, to box with me but he said yeah how many people did you uh, kill i said mm, I, I didn't kill anyone he said yeah i killed 27 people you're the next uh, and then i thought okay uh, i better don't box but yeah i had to i had to stand there in the dark without boxing gloves and, and in the beginning i didn't dare to hit him because i thought yeah maybe they think i will ex yeah, escape or maybe try to kill him or or whatever but then he hit me so hard on my eye that i thought okay now i have to to beat him also so I, I i lost all my technique i, I still remember that i just was like a windmill the dutch windmill like like beating him up and he said okay okay you've shown to box go back to your room and i was sitting there breathing heavily and and but so proud of myself yeah, because i yeah i'm there to, to to beat him and then he came into the room and he he said yeah i hit you very very hard i said yeah i can feel it and he put his mask away and and he said yeah you also hit me and i also have a black eye and uh, it was such a nice gesture uh, of respect like boxers after the game they hug each other most of the time and here he also showed yeah you hit me and and uh, yeah so these things uh, of course there were bad things also like like, like ultimatum videos um, and we had to hide from the russian army i was driven around in trunks so uh, oh, and over these over this time so you stayed with this group after your first group yeah you stayed with them the entirety of the trip yeah till the till the end but at the end because they 
more or less promised to, to buy this sheep, remember, and, and that we have a barbecue at the end. So every now and then I would ask them, did you buy a sheep already to, to find out about the process of negotiation? Yeah. And then at the end they had to say, yes, yeah, sorry, our, yeah, our bosses told us to hand you over to another group. And, and that was really scary because, yeah, I, I, after how 20 long months... How long were you with that group, and then how long were you? No, so so with that group, the first, so the second group, I was the nineteen months, nineteen oh, and a half months. Yeah, so so I was, I I got to know them. They, we we got a sort of, yeah, working op- operandi that that we knew how to behave. Yeah. I, I got all kind of privileges. I got books. Um, yeah, sometimes I I could cook together with them. Well, in the beginning, they thought I was a. You call it like a spy, or maybe I would try to uh, to poison them. So the trust was getting better. So I didn't fear them anymore. That was also, but sometimes, of course, at the end of a, if if you make a ultimatum video, yeah, uh, yeah, then then of course for for thirty days you're living in fear, like what's going to and happen. What, and what's an ultimatum video, just so people understand? Ah, yeah. Oh, well, that you're you're put in, in in front of the camera, and then I had to tell them, yeah, I'm. I'm Kidnap those guys are really serious. If you don't pay within thirty days, then by the end of June I'll, I'll be killed. And oh, and you had to present that to them. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and my other, the other thing, as you're going through this nineteen months, how did you know what day it was, and how did you know? Did you keep track for yourself, or yeah, I, I kept track for myself because yeah, structure even nowadays structure is so important because. Even with Corona, we might not go to work. Uh, we, we can't yeah. go to restaurants. So you forget the time. You start watching Netflix all day. Uh, you don't shave. You don't uh, look after yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So I thought structure is, is important. Uh, I'm not going to be uh, laying on bed all day. I, I sport. I work on my body. But also, I keep track of time. Uh, today, for example, it's the 4th of December. Uh, I was kidnapped 12th of August. So it's it's four months and eight days Um and yeah, maybe in two or three months I will be free. But at least I had already three months. I know how it is. I can survive another three uh, months. Sometimes I pick because if you're in jail, you know you you know for sure at at the end of the time you will go home. But for me, I never knew and this this yeah how you call it this uncertainty about what's going to happen. Well, if I that's good, that's the most impressive part that I find is because. There's this expectation of, oh, it's going to end now. It's going to end now. It's going to end now. And then they just keep pushing it out and it keeps messing with your head because yeah. you think, oh, I'm going to get out of there. And how many times did you hear that? Uh, in, in the beginning, uh, I believed them all the time. So, But after four or five times, uh, you, it's like beating your head against the wall. It's, it's so painful because all the hope, all the energy is gone and for nothing because nothing happened. And then I felt really, yeah, the, the worst of the worst. I felt neglected. Uh, sometimes yeah. I felt lonely, of course, not lots of times. But to, to feel neglected, to feel left out, then I was really crying and, and, and praying. And, and if I saw a star falling down, I was making wishes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, everything needed to help me. I, I Sometimes, of course, I thought about suicide. Uh, I thought maybe I should shoot the guys or, or like, like, Killing, uh, and and what time. kept you going? Yeah, uh, thinking about my parents, about my uh, fiance, that I wanted to see them, that they were fighting for me. They would try to do everything to get me out, and and then I cannot 
let them down either because I they want to see me. But also, I wanted to win from those guys. Uh, they're not going to... Yeah, I'm not going to commit suicide because then yeah. they might think I'm a loser. I want to win. And my Christianity is going to win from, from their radical Muslims. Yeah. Um, but, but also, yeah... There's still things to improve, which is also interesting to 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 see that there are chances to improve my life. And, and just an example: sometimes I was allowed to watch TV once a week. There was a series, and it was a cool one about uh, yeah some criminal guys in Moscow that grew to a big mafia yeah, yeah. mafia organization. And every week I was really looking forward because in the old days you didn't have Netflix that you can watch that one day all the series. So every Tuesday I was happy that, hey, tomorrow there's a new series. And then after 11 weeks, there were some rumors that I might be yeah, released soon. And then I thought, yeah, I want to see the end of the movies. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes I felt at home. That's, what I, that's why I call my room a home. And, and yeah, you said it earlier. In whatever situation, try to make the best out of it. Try to, try to have influence. Try to feel gratitude. I felt... Yeah, thankful that I could watch TV. That that uh, you can think, yeah, those guys hate me. I hate them, but it's not going to help you. I felt a victim many times. But, but, yeah, yeah, but it also didn't help me to make the situation better. So this energy, bad energy, has to be turned. And yeah, that's the big question. I, it, music in my head. I played so many nice songs. I, I watched so many movies. I had so many fantasies. Also bad fantasies about kidnapping my. My, my director in a bad day I, I could spend hours of how I would kidnap him how I would uh, yeah try to get the ransom and how, but that, I, I think one of the most important things here is what you showed is that if you're a beacon of light which you were in that mm -hmm. situation you can shine on everyone around you in which case you made the kidnappers more kind to you but they also probably became more kind to their family and they be appreciated each other, and they weren't so mean on each other. Yeah, of course, it works definitely like that. I, I think, yeah, warmth, like like you said, the, the beacon of light, uh, that definitely helps. So, what happened to you when you knew you were leaving? How'd you know? What was that feeling like? Yeah, actually, I, I didn't know. Like I said, they were transferring transferring me to another group. And I thought I had to stay there for a while. And I was just worried who those guys are going to be. How will they behave? Can I trust them? And they put me in a trunk, which is also very scary. So they drove me in the backside of a car, blindfolded with handcuffs. And I, I had no idea where I would go to. Maybe it would even be my last ride in a car. And then I, I, they took me out of the trunk and I saw two guys without masks. And they really looked like those yeah heavy criminals that you don't want to see at night yeah and, and they said yeah welcome home and, and i said what, what do you mean yeah welcome home uh, you're free i said free uh why why yeah we we had a military operation we freed you from the rebels i said no, i was just put in the trunk yeah that's how we call it but i, I didn't believe them because i was worried that i could see their faces and that they might yeah want to kill me after that but then a big Russian guy with a telephone came into his hands and he gave it to me, his mobile phone. And then I had a Dutch diplomat on the line and he said, yeah, Aryan, we, and we managed, uh, we're sending an airplane to pick you up. Oh, and wow. Then, yeah, that was cool. And it was the, it was on the Easter, Easter day. 
so the symbolism was really nice for me like like the resurrection of of, of jesus and I, I won and i had a big beard so i i actually felt a bit like of course it's not nice to say but like jesus who got a second chance and i came from under the ground from my grave yeah. half, half dug grave and yeah so then then we flew to moscow uh it was the first time that 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 Airplane food is really nice. And then the, the, the were, best were you able? What were you eating while you were in there, first of all? And then was the other no, food, did it make you, were you like used to, you weren't used to it at all, so did it affect you? Yeah, I lost like uh, 20 kilograms at 40 pounds. But, oh, wow. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was really skinny. I, 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 it was okay to lose 10. Uh, I could lose some weight, but 20 was a bit too much. And then, no, we ate lots of normal food, like like th those guys were also eating. They, they told me from the beginning what we will eat, we will share with you. So lots of spaghetti, lots of rice, lots of, yeah, like those Mexican beans. But of course, it's I missed the normal food. We never had chips or a sausage or a beer or a Coca-Cola or and every day the same, yeah, same things. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but I was lucky that they fed me, and that's how I looked at it. That they promised, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then, yeah, in the air, air, air uh, at the airport, the, the, the ambassador was waiting there for me. I, I, I ran to him, I hugged him because, <laughs> yeah, that was the first time that I felt, yeah, really free because I was afraid maybe they shoot the airplane out of the air, uh, out of the sky. And, and he was like, like this diplomat, he was a bit stiff. Like, uh, what, what is this guy doing to me? And uh, with yeah. my big beard. But then he also hugged me and he said, yeah, I, I worked I worked so hard to get you out. Uh, and, and he really did his best to, to get me out. And, and yeah, then then sometimes I, I dreamt that no one was waiting for me, but there were so many press. There was a big press event. Yeah. I, like hundreds of journalism. I saw my colleagues from Doctors Without Borders. I called to my mother. Uh, my father was already in an airplane coming to Moscow to pick me up. I, I, I asked the ambassador, can I sit alone in a room so that if my father comes, that there's no one else to see us. And that was really a, a wonderful moment that, that, yeah, I was sitting in my room and, and waiting the door to open. And my, my father walked in and, and we both started crying like, wow. Because uh, I, I was worried about how they... Yeah, yeah how so they took it. Yeah. They, I, how they how took you it. feel... Like it must have been so overwhelming because you were so isolated for so long to go into and then be bombarded with all directions and everything. Yeah, true, true. Because I was a bit shy, but also, like you said, overwhelmed. Uh, I didn't believe it. I, I wanted to celebrate, but I didn't have this feeling because it was so unexpected. I had to, I think also because for 20 months I was a bit, how to call it, numb because I tried to arrange my emotions, not to be too happy when there were rumors about being uh, released. So I, I, I still was a bit too much in control of my emotions. And, and, and that only settled down on the way to Holland, really in the plane, back to, yeah, back to, to, to Amsterdam. Uh, there's a big yeah, difference between Amsterdam and Rotterdam. We, we always fight amongst each other. And I, I really wanted to kiss yeah, the ground in Holland because I missed it, and then I was thinking, yeah, but I'm from Rotterdam. I cannot kiss uh, the ground in in Amsterdam. I was really thinking about that, but luckily, they they kept the airport open, and and we were flying to Rotterdam. That was so cool. I, I, my mother was there. My mother is, yeah, lovely mother. But hers, I will never forget her smile on her face and and her arms. 
I think her arms grew twice the size as she normally had. And then she, yeah, she hugged me and, and it was total happiness for her to have her son back. I, I yeah. And for me also, I, I cried of course from happiness and, and everywhere tears. And, and yeah, then the funny thing starts, there was a, yeah, I don't know. I, I always talk about it, but maybe it's not interesting, but there was a, another guy standing there like a director of the airport and I have a sister and two brothers. And so I, I shook hands to this guy. And then my sister came, do you know who this, who this guy is? I said, no, maybe the director of the airport. No, 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 it's uh, Ben Bott. It's just the name. I said, yeah, I, I don't know who's, who's this guy. Yeah, he's the minister of uh, foreign affairs. I said, okay, now nice. He also wants to have a moment of, uh, yeah, that, that he can uh, shine. He said, no, he paid your ransom. I said, ah, then oh. I shake hands again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. My brother, yeah. how are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, how are you? yeah, so, yeah, that was, because I didn't know anything about negotiations. I didn't know who did it, did her or his best to, to get me out. That was, I was, yeah. And everyone thought already that I knew all the stories that what happened. But of course, I, and no one informed me. And in those couple of hours, then, then there was so much paparazzi because I wasn't really a celebrity eh, without knowing. But, and they followed my parents to the airport. So there were like, I think, yeah, 70, 80, 90 journalists, all this camera, like, click, 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 click. Uh, yeah, I, I was just happy. I said, "Yeah, thank you guys for keeping me alive because uh, you also helped to uh, to keep me into the picture." Then we went to my my, my sister's house. Uh, I was talking about what what I experienced. Uh, they were talking what what they tried to do to get me out. So it was really like a yeah, very quick debriefing, emotional, and everyone happy, everyone curious. Then I I, I didn't sleep for forty eight hours. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, because. They tried to hand me over twice those those rebels to the to the intermediators. Then then I fell asleep, and it was really like I don't know how to explain it. Like a, a yeah a feeling from from the top of my head, like a rattlesnake feeling all the way to my feet. And I think all the dirt, all the bad feelings, all the bad vibes, they went out. And I never had any nightmare anymore. Never. Of course, every day I still have memories. Uh, I went to a psychotherapist to, to discuss all kinds of things, but but yeah, he said, yeah, you don't have nightmares, you don't you don't freeze, you don't have the fear that you're kidnapped again. So it looks like everything goes goes the, the right direction. And, and yeah, I told also myself, like we discussed this, how how do you deal with with setbacks? Uh, so I, when I landed, I told myself, I, I'm not a I'm not a victim. I'm, I'm a survivor. I'm a winner. I, I made it. I, I had influence. I changed my, yeah, my fate a bit during the kidnapping. So I'm not going to be a loser, spending the rest of my life as a victim. And that helped. But also all the warm connections in Holland. There were so many people that know about my case. I, I, I really got, I don't know, maybe when you were younger, you were bragging about how many mail, uh, mail you get during, uh, how you call this day, on 14th of Feb Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Hey, I had a whole mailbox full of uh, postcards, but now I really had like sex full of, yeah, like like I think thousands of of postcards from people from all over the Netherlands, from like thousands of emails. People were so friendly. Like, hey, do you want to go to the restaurant? I pay for you. Even people I didn't know when I was walking in the streets. Hey, I, I prayed for you. I, I burned a candle for you. So there was so much, yeah, attention. And, and and my my 
psychotherapist, he said, yeah, enjoy it. Take, take it, suck it into you as a, yeah, as oxygen. Fuel. You, yeah, and, and fuel. And, and he, he learned me about unconditional love because yeah, I wanted to thank everyone. He said, it's not needed because all those people, they do it unconditionally. They don't want anything in return. And so, yeah, he really helped me to, to settle, to think how, how to deal with gratitude. And, and he said, of course, you can thank people, but it's not needed. Um, surround yourself with people who, yeah, who want to support you. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he told me you should start giving lectures about freedom, uh, your mental freedom, about uh, yeah, yeah, how to how to deal with yeah. And lots of people take themselves hostage by maybe negative thoughts about themselves. About also, negative, I, yeah, I think yeah. one of the big things that you spoke about is the identity that you have in yourself. A lot of us see ourselves as a lawyer, a doctor, a this or a that, and we just declared on the job, but we're actually so much more than that. And most of us never realize that full potential. I found, yeah, what, sure. what do you think about that? I completely agree. And, and, but because sometimes we are our own enemies um, and because, yeah, sometimes we want to write a book or we want to divorce or want to have another job. And then we are so worried about the change and that we think we can't make it or no one waits for us. No one pays attention to us, but if you believe in yourself, trust yourself, then you can do so many things. You can excel. You can surprise yourself. You can feel the, like you said, the full potential. You're much more than one identity. You can yeah, learn to explore all of them and, and dare to make mistakes because yeah, I, 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 I learned the hard way. I, I, I'm full of resilience. I, I can fall down, but I can stand up again. And it, this power that I learned during my kidnapping, that gives me so much trust in my life. I know I can I can stand up for myself. I can be patient when needed. I can be um, I, I have empathy for other people. I know how to connect. I know how to have structure. I know how to focus. I know how to be disciplined. And I have to be honest to you. I, I don't use it all the time eh, because otherwise I'm a Superman. Uh, but I know that, that I I can use it if needed. And that really yeah that that's a real. That's the biggest lesson I learned that I, I, I know how to excel under very difficult circumstances and, and when needed, I can feel the power and I like working on project basis. I, I love to write. I wrote a couple of books. Uh, I, I set up a, a new foundation for fighting a sexual expo exploitation of minor girls. So all those things, I just start, I connect with the right people. And then have self-reflection. What do I do good? What do I do not good? What should I change? So these kind of things I learned the hard way, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you come back, and when you start, what what do you do? You don't go back to doctors without board. Like it, no, it's crazy. No, no. What what happens? Where do you go? Because you, yeah, it's, it's funny. In the beginning, I just wanted to be at home, like an anthropologist. They, most of the time, they stay one year somewhere, so they have the whole year around, see all the cultural things, the the, the, the yeah, religious things, like like. So I told myself for one year, I stay home, and then I'll find out. But then my psychiatrist, he said, hey, you better uh, start moving yeah, because you had a sabbatical for twenty months already. He said, <laughs> so you didn't have structure in your life, and if you continue that and just live the happy life, then then. Yeah, it will be much more difficult to get back to a normal life. And he said, yeah, you're always, you're so positive. You don't see the bad things in life. But it would be nice if you're angry again, waiting in a traffic jam or, or waiting 
somewhere. Eh? So you should, and that's also part of yeah, re-socializing again. So then I started writing a book uh, about um, about my about my kidnapping. And, and, and what's the, the name one, of this book? Yeah, like I translated it actually. So so it come out. It will come out in the in, in uh, the USA as well. It's called Held Hostage. Held Hostage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, this book released in the Netherlands, and it's a story about your kidnapping. Yeah, it's it's like a bestseller. It, it's it sold it, it sold almost hundred thousand copies, which is for the Netherlands, which is only seventeen million people. That's quite a big Incredible. amount. Yeah, and, and it was also a cool process. I never thought I would be a writer. I wrote the <laughs> book total. I, I thought, yeah, I never wanted to be at the school newspaper. Uh, I like I didn't like to write reports, but now suddenly. Yeah, you're if you see the reviews so, and the biggest newspaper they were really really so positive about it and also yeah. the power that you can do something that you never expected how cool is that and that's what i want to tell people just try uh don't give up and 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 if if you fail it's also not a problem because you've seen different things in your life than before lots of people don't want yeah to i mean even yeah. if that book exactly i didn't mean to cut you off there but even if this book didn't amount to anything. You now had a book that captured everything you've done. Yeah. So the coolest part about this is that this book already sold in the Netherlands and it crushed it. Now yeah. you've got a publisher who's taking it to translating it to English. Yeah. And you're re-releasing it, right? Yeah, correct. Correct. So on the when, and what's the release date? Yeah, 9th of December. So today. Yeah. Yeah, this is, so, is yeah. going to be incredible. So everyone can get this today. Where could they find it? Yeah, so on Amazon, but also on, on, the, on the website, healthhostagebook.com. Healthhostagebook.com. So yeah, and it's an ebook for now. And yeah, of course, I can say it's a fantastic book, but it's really, it reads very easy. I don't want to, 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 to read the difficult books myself. Of course, interesting books. So I, I made it, there's speed in it. It's adventure, but it's also about, yeah, the lowest yeah, or the most darkest yeah, periods of my life, but also about resilience, connecting. So it's, it's yeah. And, and I believe that this is going to be the perfect time to release this because it coincides so closely with people in COVID. Because yeah. obviously your kidnapping isn't comparable to them being locked inside, but there are many people that are struggling drastically. Mental illness is up like 70% yeah, this yeah. year. Suicide it's, also. And, and Absolutely. Yeah. People are really struggling. So this is a must-get book. And it's going to be in the bio, too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, and please, but yeah, it would be great if it will be a bestseller in the States as well. And then, uh, Yeah. No, my, I, I hope it will be, too. I'll definitely get a copy. We're going to have to look at this. And I, I'm excited. Like, And I'm glad that I was able to have you on. And do you have any last words for the audience? Yeah. So people... Uh, who are listening in uh, nice of you to, to listen till the end but yeah really think of yourself what freedom to you can bring you extra and, and what potential you you will can um, explore and invent and, and see the products of it and maybe you want to write a book maybe your marriage will be better maybe you find out the new iPhone because there's lots of people thinking but you should really act and the freedom to act that's so important I, that's what I, I want to give to you I completely align with that. Take action. There's so many of us that are passive and we'll just look at the social media, not take action. And then there's people like you that are creating and yeah. it's beautiful to see. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. So, Arjan, I appreciate it. Where can someone find you if they're looking? If they want to reach out to you? Yeah, so, help yeah you? It's, it's of course difficult to spell, but it's uh, A-R-J-A-N-E-R-K-E-L dot N-L. That's arjanerkel.nl. And for the book, there's also contact information. Healthhostagebook.com. That, that's the easiest. Yeah, I'll put I'll put all the websites in the bio. But yeah, yeah. man, you have an incredible story, and I'm grateful that you were able to come on today, and we're able to put this out for the audience. Yeah, Jordan, thank, thank you so much because yeah, no one knows me, and this is the first uh, podcast. And, uh, this is we're gonna get you known. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. get you known. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.